Um, we're going to create just a little bit of time to do some worship uh, after the message this morning. In fact, uh, what we'll do after the message is, is two songs that you haven't practiced. Awesome. So I'm, I'm telling you now so you can have a wee little huddle and go, oh my gosh, what songs are we going to do? All right. I could have told you as you were getting up after the message, do two new ones, but there you go. Um, just felt to switch it up a little bit this morning. Anyone that's come to Activate often over the last few months will know that, um, you know, we, we like to keep things fresh and we don't have run sheets and things, but you can still fall into routines and habits and there's nothing wrong with coming to church and knowing that you're going to get two fast songs and then the kids go out and then a couple of slow songs and then Josh will get up and drag it out for another 15 minutes or whatever it might be. Um, but I just felt, yeah, to, to mix it up a little bit this morning. So I've asked Esther to just stay up on stage and give me some mood music, which is awesome. Uh, but I want to share with you this morning uh, about prayer. We're going to launch into our, our new series uh, this morning on prayer. Uh, a quick recap, if you can wake that up for me, Kara, that'd be awesome. Uh, a quick recap on, on where we're at and how we ended up here. Uh, first of all, if you don't know me, my name's Josh, and along with the team, uh, I lead here. Liz, who was up before taking the kids out, is my wife. Uh, and so we all run this along with the team. But um, who can remember the verse that, that God gave us as a church for 2021? Even the reference. Who can remember the reference? Come on, don't depress me. What was it? Let's like, as a group effort, maybe put your heads together. It was Second Chronicles 7, 14. Oh, all right, awesome. Good stuff. I had a sneaky suspicion that might be the response. So 2 Chronicles 7, 14, remember we had it printed on glasses and you guys are keeping them prominently displayed in your home so that you can remember what the verse is. All right, we actually have uh, a few extras. So if you're here this morning and you don't have a glass, then come and see me afterwards, RID. We've got a couple of dozen because we thought, you know what, there could be people plugging in during the year that might want to you know, grab one of those glasses. But Second Chronicles 7.14, uh, God says, if my people who are called by my name, how many people know that's us, right? We are God's people. We are called by His name. We are Christians. He says, if my people, that's you, that's me, who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. So God says there's four things that I'm asking my people to do. One, to humble themselves. Two, to pray. Three, to seek my face. And four, to turn from their wicked ways. So we've got humility. We've got prayer. We've got intimacy with the Father. And then we have obedience as disciples of Jesus Christ. And so in the first quarter of this year, we looked at humility, right? You can jump on and listen to our podcast if you like. But I think we've got maybe seven different characteristics of what makes up a humble man or a humble woman. And now we're moving from humility into prayer. And I gotta tell you, I am really excited about what God's gonna do in the church in this season. Let me be honest right from the start and say that I have a lot of areas that I need to grow in. Liz tells me so. Um, but one of the areas that I think has got the most room for growth because I'm not awesome at it is prayer. 
I don't know about you. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're like, dude, I smash prayer. I'm like the best prayer around. Like I just pray, 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 pray. You know, I have a huge amount of respect for someone like Gene. Gene's praying all the time. And what I love about Gene is that he messages me and he says, I'm praying for you. And he prays in his car and he's got audio Bible going on. So maybe Gene, you can just go grab a coffee if you want. You might not have to listen to this message, right? But, but for me, like prayer is something that, that is a massive work on for me. Uh, and so this morning, I just wanna be honest and not just this morning, but any future Sundays that I'm talking about prayer, I am not standing up here saying, hey, I'll tell you how to do it. Right? I'm not standing up here saying, I know what I'm doing, I'm killing it. Just do what I do and you'll be fine. Right? I'm not like uh, what you'd call like a tour guide. So a tour guide is someone who says, hey, I'll lead the way. I've been here before. I know what's going on. This rock over here happened when this happened. And this thing, like, you know, a tour guide knows their stuff. I'm not there. I'm more like a, a fellow traveler, someone who's holding the flag up in front of the group saying, come on, let's go, let's go. I think it's this way. No, it's not that way. Come this way, right? Like I'm just, I'm learning as I go. I'm working it out as I go. But let's, let's all go on this adventure of prayer together. I was standing over there by that, that pillar and, uh, and God said to me, everything starts with humility. Like humility is, is everything. That is the access point. That's the starting gate. Everything starts with humility. It says in the Bible that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. He lifts the humble up. Everything starts with humility. But he said, Josh, the, the most obvious external expression of a humble heart is prayer. If you want to know where you fit on the spectrum of humility, just look at your prayer life. And it was a really challenging thought for me that I could look at something external like my prayer life and use it as a bit of a gauge on something internal like humility. And I thought, gee, there's a lot of work to do there. I mean, it makes sense, doesn't it? Like the more humble you are, the more you've comprehended that God's amazing, that everything that you have comes from God, that He's given you your very being, that He knit you together in your mother's womb. Like the more you comprehend that God is so huge and we are so tiny, like the Bible says, like what is man that you're mindful of? And we're like a, a vapor, we're like a breath of wind. We're here and then we're gone. And the more you appreciate just you know, the significance of God and almost, for lack of a better phrase, the insignificance of us, like the only natural response is that you, you move towards prayer. You move towards wanting to connect and communicate with God. So we've done humility and uh, now we're gonna do prayer. But we have a problem. And, and this, this may get a little bit confronting. I've said many times right from the front that my job is not to get up here and tickle the ears and just, you know, if you come to church and you hear a message and at the end of it, you go, oh, I agreed with all of that. That was so great. That was everything that I think Josh said. Oh, good, that's awesome. That's great. And it's, it's fun to have that every now and again, but that doesn't change you. You don't go home challenged or changed or growing or maturing in your faith if you come to church and all you hear is someone saying everything that you believe. Like we've got a saying for that, right? It's called preaching to the choir. Right. And so this morning, you know, I've got two main objectives this morning. My first one is to communicate how important prayer is. But in order to do that, it might make you uncomfortable. Because if you're anything like me, you might go, ah, probably should be doing that a bit more. Right? 
unless you're Jean. And my second, my second objective this morning is to make sure that we're all on the same page when it comes to understanding what prayer is. If we're going to be talking about prayer for the next three months, then let's make sure that we're all on the same page, that we all know exactly what that's talking about. So I'm not going to ask for a show of hands because I think that we would all you know, kind of die of embarrassment. But I would imagine that for most of us, if I said, look, um, how do you feel about unpacking just for the group here this morning, your prayer life, what that looks like, the regularity of it, the intensity of it, like how often are you connecting with God in prayer? How many of us would be like, oh, that actually, you know, probably wouldn't want to do that. Just speaking for myself, like I, I don't know if I'd be that keen on doing it. Like I was chatting with Denise the other day and she made the comment, like she said, yeah, but you're out praying with God on the road every day. I'm like, not every day. You know, and then I was like, not every day. Well, is it like every second day or is it every, mm, you know. She said, yeah, but you're always saying you do it. I'm like, yeah, because every time I do it, I say that I did it. But, <laughs> you know, you guys only hear me talk once a week. So I just make sure that I get out and walk up my road on Saturday afternoons at some point, then we're all good. The truth is though, isn't it? Let's just like, like circle of honesty. Let's just admit that, that a lot of us struggle with prayer. If I said to you, hey, is prayer fun for you or is it a little bit boring? We'd all be like, it's not a little bit boring. It's a lot boring. Or like prayer is often boring. I think, and again, feel free to disqualify yourself from this and say, hey, look, that doesn't apply to me. But for most of us, I think it would be accurate to go, you know what? I struggle with prayer. I don't do it nearly as much as I know I should do it. I find it boring at times. I get frustrated that the things I pray for don't seem to happen. I don't even understand what the point of prayer is. I've got a lot of question marks around prayer. And so as a result, we in the Western world, in the Western church, we don't really pray much. In fact, if you were to go to any pastor in the Western church and say, hey, out of all of the meetings that you guys run, what are the hardest meetings to get people excited about? What meetings have the lowest attendance? And I guarantee you almost every pastor says the same thing. It's our prayer meeting. We just struggle to get people to our prayer meeting. We have a prayer meeting here every Monday night. We've been doing it for probably the last 12, 18 months. Sunday mornings will average between 90 and 100 people. Monday night's the biggest pre-meeting we have ever had. It's like 14 people. And I know it's not because you're all at home praying hard in your bedrooms. Even me, when we started, I said, you know what? I'm going to commit to getting to one in three. And then... We started looking at prayer this year and I thought, that's, what am I doing? One in three, like, I gotta be at these things. Like this is, it's either priority or it's not, right? And so I think we have a bit of an issue here in the Western church because uh, the way that we live and the way that we view prayer is very different to the way that the early church lived and the way the early church viewed prayer. I mean, look at just what the church has to say about prayer, what prayer in the Bible says. Paul said in Thessalonians, pray without ceasing, right? Never stop praying. Always keep on praying, he says in Ephesians. Uh, in Colossians, he says, devote yourselves to it. Do you know what the word devote means? It means to completely give your whole self to something, to surrender yourself to something. If you devote yourself to something, it's like everything else becomes less important than this. This is the most important thing in your life. I'm devoted 
to this thing. I have given myself wholeheartedly to this thing. And just in case you think, well, maybe that's just like an interpretation thing. He flippant says it again in Romans 12, 12. He says, be devoted to it, talking about prayer. And then when he writes to Timothy, he says that you should pray everywhere. So guys, we have a problem because the Bible says, never stop praying Pray everywhere you go. Always keep on praying. Devote yourselves to prayer. This should be the most important part of your life. And then over here, we have actual reality in the 21st century. We're still 21st century, right? Yeah. Got confused, right? Over here, we have reality, which is I don't pray. I find prayer boring. I don't understand prayer. I hardly ever do it. And I can't even be bothered turning up to a prayer meeting. I don't even feel comfortable praying out loud in front of people. There is a very big gap between how we live in Christianity with regards to prayer and how the Bible tells us to live. A very big gap. You know, I love the quote from Martin Luther. I'll skip that and I'll come back to Martin Luther. There you go. He says, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Somewhere along the line, we have bought into this lie that I can be a Christian and I don't really have to pray a whole lot. Or if I do, it's only when something's really going wrong and I need, I, I'm like desperately in need of God. I think part of the issue is that in the Western world, let's be honest, we live a much more comfortable lifestyle than other parts of the world. As adults, we tend to only, you know, pray or try and connect with God when we need God. And very often we don't need God as much as other cultures do or other parts of the world might. But this is the truth, right? To think that you can be a Christian without praying is to think that you can be alive without breathing. Very often, uh, you know, we'll have uh, some great ministry time up here at the front. And it's not unusual for someone like uh, Denise to just KO up here. We've all seen Denise out to it up the front here. She like passes out or something. She's having this great encounter with God. And on more than one occasion, someone has come up to me and said, hey, do you need to check on her? Like, is she, is she all right? Because she just face plants down on the carpet. Like she's just out to it. And a couple of times I've gone up and I've just been kind of like, you know, give, the, give her a bit of a kick in the side. And I've been, and I'm looking, I'm looking for signs of life. Because I, I think, you know, I'm sure she's fine. But it would not be a good look if someone did drop dead in church and we just left them to it, right? Come back the next Sunday, like, she's still here. <laughs> Smells weird, right? Like, so I bend over and, I, and I'm just looking, I'm looking for any sign that she's breathing, right? I'm just looking for like an, an inhale, an exhale, like some movement, right? I'm looking for breath coming out, I'm listening for it because I know that breathing means that she's alive. And I also know, because... I've worked it out that if she's not breathing, we have a problem, right? If she's not breathing, we have got a problem. And the same is true for our Christian life. Guys, if you're not praying, if we're not praying, there's a problem. And we should be as concerned about a Christian life without prayer as it would be about somebody not breathing. Side note, for what it's worth, this picture of Martin Luther, which is obviously a painting, I found it on an article called Why Martin Luther's Body Type is Important. 
I, you know, I thought that's a weird thing to say, but I was in too much of a hurry to read it. But I've got to be honest, it's pretty much consumed my mind for the last 48 hours. So I have to go back afterwards and be like, why was Martin Luther's body type so important? Right? But somebody obviously thought it was, and they wrote about it. I, I came down here on Thursday afternoon. Actually, I was here all day Thursday. I had meetings and stuff, and and Jean was down here doing some painting and things, and there were people out in the office. And it wasn't until about 4 o'clock on the Arvo that I had the whole church to myself. I had about a 90-minute window. I was going to catch up with Abel for some worship team stuff at half past 5. And and I thought, oh, finally, Thursday afternoon, 4 o'clock, I can finally sit down and put some thought into what I'm going to share on Sunday morning. You know, put some thought into the message. Uh, And then I was in my office, and I thought, you know, I could spend an hour and a half researching prayer or I could just go pray. And so I came in here and I put some worship music on ridiculously loud and I'm worshiping God and I'm praying and just like talking to God about stuff. And, and all of a sudden he said something to me so clear, so, so loud, it just dropped into my spirit. He said, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. And I knew that he wasn't talking to me, he was talking to us It was a word from God for us as a church. Draw near to me and I will draw near to you. And I felt the weight of His promise on it. Like it was a a promise from God. And so I'm excited about this next season, these next three months, because I know that God has got something big for us. He's got something planned for maybe you as an individual, but for us as a church. And I also knew like very often God will talk to me. He'll quote the Bible to me. And I don't know it well enough to be like, ah, yes, I know that reference, but I know I've read it somewhere, right? So oftentimes my prayer life with God looks like me talking to God, God gives me a Bible reference, I Google it, I find out where it was, I read it, ah, yes, that's awesome, thank you, God, right? Like, thank thank God for Google. So literally, he's like, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you, and it's a promise, and I got all excited about it, I was like, wow, and I got out my phone and I Googled, what verse is draw near to me? And it's, it's James 4 verse 8. And, and what I love about James 4 verse 8 is James 4 verse 7, which says, so humble yourselves before God. Isn't that awesome that, that God speaks to your spirit, gives you a verse, and the entrance point to that verse is humble yourself, right? And then just to skip down to verse 8, it says, come close to God and God will come close to you. This is James writing. This is the brother of Jesus Christ grew up with Jesus Christ. He knows Jesus. He said, hey, you've got to humble yourself before God. And then you've got to draw near to Him, like draw close to Him and He'll draw close to you. You know, there's so many areas of our life where God initiates contact, right? Like He says, um, freely you have received, so freely give, right? Like you receive first and then you give out of what God's already given you. The Bible says that we love because He first loved us, like God initiates that. But in this process, James says, no, no, you have to initiate this. God will stand at the door of your heart and knock, but He will not step across that threshold until you go and open the door and say, hey, come on in. You have to move towards God. And so that's what we're going to do as a church over the next three months. We're going to draw near to Him. We're going to come close to God. And God has promised us that. I feel like I'm spitting a lot. Can you see that? When I spit, good. Starting to get self-conscious. He's promised us, church, He's going to draw near to us. And I was going for a walk outside my house down the road 
yesterday afternoon. And, uh, and I was thinking about this verse. And he said, read it again. And so I opened it up and I read it again. And I don't know if you guys can see it. There's a random sentence in between these two steps. Step one, you humble yourself before God. And then I'm all ready to go, okay, now let's draw close to God. And he says, mate, you've missed it. There's a, there's a little wee bump in the road right in between those two things. It says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. So James says, hey, look, you need to, you need to humble yourself before God and then you position yourself to draw close to God, for God to draw close to you. But there's, a, there's an in-between step. And this is what God said to me. He said, hey, in between you humbling yourselves as a church and then looking to move forward into prayer, to push into me, to draw close to me, he said, this is the moment, this is the space where the enemy looks to insert himself. In between you humbling yourself and then going after prayer and pushing into me, he said, this is where the enemy looks to insert himself. And you need to resist him. You know, that word resist, it doesn't mean to just ignore. It's not just a you know, hashtag, keep calm and carry on. It's not just pretend he's not there. Just focus on God and it'll be all right. He says, no, you need to actively resist. And I think that, you know, I don't very often, I don't know if I've ever really preached on, you know, enemy activity, but even Paul said, I don't want you to be unaware brothers and sisters of of how the enemy works. And so I want to just raise an awareness. This is what I felt like God said. I felt like He said, you know, you as a church, you know, I love what you're doing. You know, we're going after humility. We're constantly talking about this idea that when we come to church, it's not about us. Like we're, we're trying to just knock this idea on the head that I come to church for what I can get out of this and what, what God does for me. And we say, no, We come to church to worship Him. We come to church to humble ourselves before Him. We come to church to lay down and say, God, You are so awesome. And I felt like God said, you know, you have fired a warning shot across the bow of the enemy because the enemy knows that humility is the doorway through which we enter for God to do amazing things in our life. God can't work with a proud person because we won't let Him. Right, but when we when we open our hearts in humility, that's when God goes, you know what, I can I can do whatever I want. And when we come into church and I do it on a Sunday morning and then we do it as a team in the prayer room beforehand, we're constantly praying, Hey God, you come and you do what you want to do. You're in charge, God, not us. And you hear it said from the front all the time when we're worshiping him, This is not about you. I'm sorry, but it's not. It is about him. And so we're going after humility. And I just felt God say, Hey, I want you to be aware that you've popped up on the enemy's radar. And he knows that if we draw near to him, that God will draw near to us. And then he's got a massive problem. Listen, I don't think the enemy is overly scared of Christians who don't pray. I mean, I think he hates us with a passion because we're made in the image of God. But I don't think he's scared of Christians who don't pray. I love what uh, Leonard Ravenhill says. Leonard Ravenhill, uh, who's heard of Keith Green? Yeah, one person, yeah. So Leonard Ravenhill was Keith Green's mentor. And he was really good friends with A.W. Tozer, who we've quoted many times here. Uh, Leonard Ravenhill was famous when he was alive, he's dead now, but he was very famous for, he just had like this one message which he just banged on about, which was that, you know, our church should look like the church looked like an ax. Like we need to, 
you know, we need to be all about the kingdom of God coming and not worried about building churches and empires, but just seeing the kingdom of God move. Uh, but he, he had the habit of making really confronting statements. I read one the other day. He said, he said, how could you ever hope to defeat the enemy when you don't even have the strength to turn off your TV? I was like, dang, Leonard. Wow. And so just, I want you to, to be aware personally as we push into prayer that the enemy does not want you praying. Right, and so when you decide, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna come to prayer meeting on Monday nights. I've never been, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make that a priority in this season. I wanna get into prayer. Like, don't be surprised if all hell breaks loose. Cars breaking down, kids being stroppy. I mean, who's a parent in this room? What the heck is it with Sunday mornings trying to get your kids to church? Like a lot of them are just devil spawn. Sunday mornings, right? Well, the enemy does not want you praying. I want you to know this is super important. And I think that if I'm being honest, it's something that I have neglected to my detriment. Been a Christian my entire life been in church my entire life, I would struggle to identify a period in my life where I would say that I was really nailing the prayer side of things. It's just something that, you know, I think so many of us struggle with. But I think a lot of the reasons we struggle with it is because we don't understand what prayer is. And so I just want to finish with this and then we'll get the band to jump up. Look at this other quote from Leonard Ravenhill. No man or woman is greater than his or her prayer life. What if you measured your greatness, if you measured your, I don't know, level of Christianity or whatever, if you measured it by your prayer life, like how would, how would you end up looking? Guys, we have, to, we have to be praying more. You look at the Bible, you look at the way the Christians lived in the Bible, man, they prayed all the time. They're always praying. So often a story starts with we were praying together, we were here praying, we were doing this, we were in jail, we were praying, we were doing this, we were praying. Praying all the time. We get 13, 10 people, eight people showing up to a prayer meeting. Come on. So what is prayer? I'll get the band to jump up. You guys got your two songs sorted? You know what you're doing? <laughs> that was a mildly evil laugh, sorry. What is prayer? You know, I think a lot of us, when we think of prayer, the reason we kind of go, ugh, is because we have the classic, you know, Norman Rockwell painting of the kid on his knees beside his bed with his elbows on his bed sheet and his hands clasped together. And we go, well, that's, that's what prayer is. And the truth is that that is one expression of prayer, right? But that's not prayer in and of itself. And so I was really thinking about like, what is prayer? And, and this, is, this is how I would define prayer. It is intentionally initiating connection with God. That's, that's prayer, right? Intentionally initiating connection with God. Now, the truth is that that can look like any number of things. The key component there is that there's an intentionality behind it, right? Don't, don't try and tell me, because I've tried to tell myself this many times, oh, you know, but God's everywhere, right? God's everywhere. And I'm always talking with God here and talking with God there. And, and that's true too, but unless there's an intentionality behind it, it's not gonna have nearly the same impact in your life. 
needs to be intentional, intentionally initiating connection with God as well. Like Jared lives next door to me. He's my brother. He's also my best friend. You know, and so if you said to me, hey, have you connected with Jared lately? I would say, yeah. And I might say, we went to the gym together and lifted weights and, and laughed about how much weaker he is than I am. It's very true, right? And then did some cardio and laughed about how much less fit I was than he is, right? We went to the gym together. We did that. Or I might say, yes. I have caught up with Jared. We went to the movies. We went and saw Godzilla vs. Kong. Do not recommend it. Or I might say, yeah, I rang him. We had a conversation on the phone for 20 minutes. Or I might say, yeah, we went and we played nine holes of golf. Or I might say, yeah, he invited me around to his house and we sat in a spa pool outside and solved all the world's problems. My point is that each one of those encounters were a genuine connection, but they looked very different. Right, like going to the gym looks very different to going to the movies. Playing nine holes of golf looks very different to sitting in a spa pool. But what they all had in common was that we were intentionally initiating connection. And so prayer can look like anything. You can do it anywhere. The Bible wouldn't tell you never stop praying unless you could do it all the time. It wouldn't tell you to pray everywhere unless you could do it everywhere. Because the truth is that you can intentionally initiate a connection with God anytime, anywhere. The key is that you're intentional about it. I looked up the word connect just to see what it meant. It means to bring together or into contact so that a link is established. That's what prayer is. Prayer is intentionally initiating a process where you are bringing yourself together with God to establish a link. In the electrical world, it goes on and it says, so that a current may flow. When you are in prayer with God, anytime you are connected with God and there is a current flowing, that's prayer. You can be doing that in your car. You can be doing that at work. You can have headphones on. You can be in worship. You can be out in the mountains. You can be hanging out with friends. You can be watching a movie. I've heard of guys that have had massive encounters with God halfway through their video games that they were playing. I'm sure they were appropriate video games. But it's this idea that you are intentionally creating a link between you and God. And that's why the idea that you can exist as a Christian without that link is absurd. The idea that you can exist as a Christian and live as a Christian and not have that link between you and God that's why people like Martin Luther say to think that you can live without prayer as a Christian is just as crazy as to think that you can live without breathing. And so what we're going to do over the next couple of months is, is I want to get really practical. We're going to talk about ways that you can connect with God. We're going to talk about steps that you can take to improve your ability to recognize the voice of God when He speaks. Another thing that I would say about prayer is that it's a two-way conversation. It's not a monologue. It's not you just sitting down saying, God, here's my 15 biggest problems right now. And then at the end saying, great, thanks for listening and then carrying on with your day. Telling God all your problems doesn't really change much. When God gives you an answer to one of them, it changes everything. 
What's fascinating, I'll finish with this. When Jesus came into the temple one day and he saw everybody selling doves and bread or whatever it might have been, and, and he just got so angry and he turned all the tables over and he made whips out of ropes and gee, it would have been a sight to see. Just this guy went ape, whipping people and kicking stuff around. And he says, my house is to be a house of prayer. You know, in the Old Testament, if you wanted to get near the presence of God, you had to go to the house of God. But now, because of what Jesus did on the cross, the house of God is, is us. Jesus said, we are supposed to be known as a house of prayer. Out of all the different things that Jesus could have said, hey, this is what I want my house to be known for, it was prayer. We have to prioritize prayer. And this is not meant to be a message that makes you go, oh, it's so horrible. It's meant to make you go, you know what? This is, there's an invitation here from God to step into this. And so over the next couple of months, we're gonna get practical, like I say. We're gonna talk about different ways to hear from God. We're gonna talk about um, you know, how our different personalities can even affect how we connect with God. And the more aware you are of the way that you're wired, the easier you can find it to connect with God. I mean, I love connecting with Jared. And yet one of Jared's biggest passions is hunting. And I've never, ever gone on a hunt with Jared because my personality is like, nah, I don't want to shoot little deer, bunnies, or walk up a mountain. (laughs) And in all honesty, if I could shoot it from the car, I would have no problem with it, actually. But the thing is like, that, that particular method of connection has never really worked for me because of my personality. And the problem with prayer sometimes is we say to everybody, this is how it looks, this is how it works. And it might work for someone who's got that type of personality, but someone else might have a different personality altogether and they wanna connect with God in an entirely different way. And we don't have a frame of reference for that because we're so narrow-minded. So we wanna talk about that in prayer. One of the things that we're gonna do this term is we're gonna do an all-night prayer meeting which is gonna be cool. Gonna start at seven at night and pray all the way through to seven in the morning and people can come and go as they please. And then because I'm organizing it, there'll be a big breakfast at the end. Yay, that's right. It's another thing you see about Jesus. There's food everywhere. Prayer and food, they go hand in hand. Prayer and fasting, that's next term. Fasting, next term. Why don't you stand to your feet this morning? Stand to your feet. And we're gonna, we're gonna worship just a little bit longer, but what I want you to do in this space, I, I really wasn't sure how to, how to wrap things up, but I think what we'll do is, what I'd like you to do is, is embrace that intentional initiation component of this connection. And I want you to just, in your own space, I want you to just try and dial into what God's saying to you. I want you to open yourself up to different Uh, ideas that might pop into your heart around things that you can do to connect with God. I was walking down the road outside my house earlier this week and I was wrestling with this because like I say, it's not something that I've done well. I'm just, I I should be in the front row listening to this message and taking notes and I'd be going, yes, this is exactly what I needed to hear. I need to do this better. And so I was walking down the road and I said to God, God, just, oh man, like how many times have I tried to get like a prayer life up and running and it's just, I just haven't been able to do it because I haven't understood how it works properly or 
I said, God, just give me one step, one step to help me build a bit more discipline into my life or a bit more routine so that I can prioritize the things that matter. One step. And he said, he said, I want you to start having breakfast together at the breakfast table with your family. Because as a family, we're, we're great. We have dinner together every night, pretty much, at the dinner table. But because we homeschool and because, you know, I work for the church and kind of set my own hours, the kids just kind of get up and make themselves breakfast and then we get up and do our thing. And oftentimes I've got a bad habit of grabbing the laptop and working from bed and then this will bring me some eggs on toast. It was, we don't have a great routine in the morning. And so God just said, I want you to get up and I want you to, at the same time every morning, just have breakfast together at the breakfast table. That is not an idea that I would have thought of. Right, so just open yourselves up for an idea to pop into your head. And I want you to just ask him, Father, I want, I want to connect with you. I want to live a life that is exciting and filled with adventure and risk and faith. I want my life to be so much more than just going to church on a Sunday morning, singing some songs, then going home and watching 10 times as much Netflix as I spend in your presence. Father, we ask that now. God, I thank you that you've given us a promise that if we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. So God, for every single person here this morning, I pray, Lord, that you would just reveal to them just a nugget. God, just something that they can take away this morning and say, I'm going to start putting that into practice. Just one thing, Father. So as we sing, just focus in on Him, focus in on His face, focus in on who He is, what He's done for you. Let Him stir up your imagination, which is a heavenly gift. Let's see what He says.